Hello, 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 America. This is Kenneth Smith from Phoenix, Arizona. This is The Middle with Kenneth Smith doing a podcast here in Phoenix, Arizona, and we are starting to talk about social justice issues as well as the middle, which is the middle of the, of the country, the middle of America, the middle of thought. How can you be a person in the middle? What does it look like when we are dealing with issues on the right and the left? Really, the middle is who runs this country, but are we really showing up to run this country? And that's what the middle is all about, how we can all come together in unity to help do the best for our country in a time where we need unity. What does the unity look like? And that's the middle with Keno Smith. All right. So uh, what are we going to talk about today, Kenny? So what we're going to talk about is we have a lot of stuff going on. This is Nia, Nia Stars. <laughs> this is Nia Stars. Nia yeah. Stars. This is Nia Stars <laughs> production. And Nia Stars um, has put that together this podcast for The Middle. Uh, she has her production company. And so we are lucky enough to be here, um, be able to podcast The Middle. So today, what we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to talk about, I'm just going to introduce myself and what I do um, as Kenneth Smith, as a person that's a, uh, well, has a lot of things that I do in my life. And this is basically an opportunity for me to talk about what those things are, but how we can activate ourselves in real activism to get things done in our in our state of Arizona, but also in our country, because we can't just focus on just the state, right? We have a lot of things we can do, and really our goal is to getting the word out on what it looks like to come unified in this country. So today, what are we going to talk about? First of all, I'm going to introduce myself, who I am, and talk about, um, just for the first time, who Kenneth Smith is, right? Some people are like, who's Kenneth Smith? Well, I'm going to let you know who I am, right? Um, and then we're going to introduce Nia Stars and give a little background of Nia Stars so she can have talk about her production and what she does. And then we're also going to today um, just go into some things that are happening with unity. We have a unity collective here in Arizona, a group of people that have come together to um, to really end systemic racism. So what does that look like? What did it look like? How did it co- how did it come together? Right. What did it took? What did it take to bring it together? And also um, we're going to talk about just some of the news of the day right um right (laughs) the news of the day when it comes to what's been going on in our world uh you know post um you know you know who the former president of the united states and um you know in the time of president biden and what does that look like with president biden and vice president kamala harris it feels so good to say that um, but it's going to feel even better when I know they get some work done, right, Nia? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> we're waiting for it. We're counting it. So everybody's – so the thing about it is we had, you know, glory in the morning, and everybody was excited, and we sat there for the inauguration, right? Mm-hmm. As today is, is January, you know, 30th, you know, we uh, we sat and watched the inauguration, and then we look at it and we say, okay, now what does accountability look like? Yes. What does accountability look like? And people have a, have an idea of accountability. So I'm going to go over what accountability looks like for me. So that'll be a, the last thing I talk about today on our on the podcast, just to kind of talk about just a, just me and what we do in here in Phoenix, Arizona. People think Phoenix, Arizona is some foreign country, some Nobody place. thinks about Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost not even on the map. <laughs> it's not. We, we, but we are on the map. Arizona's on the map now because we, we help elect uh, for the first time. And I'll consider this one of the first times since the 50s because I, I don't count 1992 with Clinton because Clinton had Ross Perot and he was, you know, running against Bush. So it, a third party and Ross Perot would, took a lot of those votes, you know especially here in Arizona with the independents. So I consider Biden the first first Democrat to win in 50 years. Oh, wow. You know, people don't really know that, that 1992, um, you know, you had a, a, a three-way split, and Ross Perot took a lot of those votes from George, uh, George uh, Bush Sr. 
And so, um, so we're we're gonna talk about that stuff. Talk about what Arizona does. So let's go on to the uh, right to the top. You ready for the top? Yeah, let's go. All right. So I'm gonna introduce myself to who I and give you the many facets of Kenneth Smith and why I'm doing this podcast. Um, so I'm Kenneth Smith. I am a. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you my age because ain't nobody's business. But <laughs> I'm grown, grown enough. Uh, a young man who lives here in Arizona. So the story goes like this. In uh, the mid-'80s, uh, my family moved here from a L.A., Los Angeles, California. Whoop, whoop, L.A., LA. California love, right? Throw it up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we came here to to start, you know, a new life. And so we, before, uh, you know, when I was young, we lived in an area called the ghetto. I don't know what the ghetto is now. I don't know what the ghetto looks like. But we lived in, as Nene Leakes would say, the ghetto. <laughs> The ghetto, the ghetto. The ghetto looks like many For things real. nowadays. So. And we were we were in a really uh, bad, bad area of the country of, of the of L.A. Los Angeles. And my mother wanted to move us here with my father. Met my father, who's from who stayed out here and was from here. And they decided to move all nine kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nine. My mom had nine. I'm number nine out of ten. To, <laughs> to Arizona to start a new life. And they moved us into uh, 87th Avenue Indian School, which was at the time an all-white neighborhood um, with was, uh, you know, considered, you know, low or middle, low middle class. Um, you know, Section 8 got us a house out there in the middle of uh, cornfields, and there's a, a subdivision being built. And on the other side of the, of the city, on the south side, where my, where my father lived. And uh, my father was, um, that whole neighborhood was also the hood. And so, um, you know, I grew up in Arizona being between two worlds. Uh, One world was when I would go to school and it was a certain way and it was all white and it was, you know, this kind of way. And then I would go, you know, to school or go to the south side, south side. And uh, <laughs> and I would uh, I would experience a whole new life with the black people being around and and culture and um, my fa- our, my father's family is from Texas Texarkana Texas and my mother's from Los Angeles so having those two intersect come together and then have you know uh, me me and then my little sister yep, that's, that's me. <laughs> Nia stars uh, here uh, but to, but to have have me and then. Um, bring us here in, in Phoenix, Arizona, but really was a jarring experience because the, the other eight siblings were older, lived in, were, were born in L.A., and then now they're, you know, uh, coming to a city where it's all white. Um, and they were raised in the nation, and they were raised in a, a whole all-black pack power, uh, you know, black love, I should say. I mean, black, I'll say it, black love, because <laughs> uh, they loved themselves, and they, and they were taught to love themselves in L.A., even though they were in a really bad neighborhood. And coming out here, man, told to your face, you know, you black, you ugly, you big nose, you this, you that, you all that. And then not only that, but hey, we ain't gonna celebrate King Day and we ain't gonna celebrate nothing a black. And world. it was a different world, just like the show, right? Yes. And so when we came here and um, we, we started living a life. And I grew up in, in Air Phoenix, Arizona for many years, uh, went to elementary school, went to high school in Phoenix, um, and then growing up, and now I am an educator. Um, one thing about me is that I, um, the, with, you know, 10 people in my family, um, Nia stars being number 10, um, we, uh, grew up with a lot of people mentoring us. And I have two people that mentored me that were teachers. Uh, that was great. One of them is Robert Johnson. Uh, he's a theater teacher, Washington high school, Mr. Johnson, amazing (laughs) guy. He's still call him Papa Johnson. He's a great guy. And then, um, and and at the same time I had a, a really wonderful Spanish teacher who I keep her picture on my wall at work. Um, her name was Laura Mason. Uh, she uh, was a fantastic, great lady, 
white, blonde hair, blue eyed, but she was about uh, how she was about loving people and diversity. And she was about um, wanting to, you know, be there. So she was there for me. And she was like another adoptive mother. And then um, as I went on to become an adult and as I went on to, um, you know, try to figure out what I want to do in my life, um, she uh, was a great inspiration because, you know, she really changed my life. And so so did Mr. Johnson. And so when Laura Laura Mason passed away of cancer many years later, a couple years later, actually, um, uh, then it really inspired me to go, one of the inspirations for me to go to go to college and become an educator. So I've, I've been a teacher. Um, and then I'm now, and I got my bachelor's degree in secondary education history, <laughs> in government and political science, and then went and got my master's degree in education administration from Grand Canyon. So um, it's been a journey. Um, and then as um, I've always worked, I've worked and um, tried to work in social justice um, and support people of color, all uh, black, indigenous people of color for years. Um, and then as the George Floyd uh, incident happened and our city erupted, Mia, right? Oh, yeah. Our city erupted. Like um, we've never seen before. Like we've never seen before. Um, you know, I decided to put myself together, put my foot forward, and do a unity march. So I did a unity march here in Phoenix in June, early June, June 2nd. And um, the goal was to bring people together in unity and let people know, listen, this is a time to, for us to unite, not blindly unite, but to unite and for a better purpose. And what does that look like? Um, and how can we come together? So we, we did this, we're going to do in this march and um, bringing people together in unity. And um, what, I, what I saw was that um, a lot of people were hurting after George Floyd and they were pointing towards, you know, BLM and the BLM movement, Black Lives Matter movement as a way to express themselves. Um, and so what I want to do is I, um, you know, got together with some people, um, Gisette Knight being one of them, and um, helped to organize the, one of the biggest, um, you know, peaceful protests in Arizona, in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. Um, over 3,000 people came out and marched from, um, you know, Japanese Friendship Gardens Center all the way down to the Capitol. And then we talked about some of the demands that we wanted and things that we needed to get um, equality. With police, with the policing out here in Phoenix, Arizona, you know, Phoenix, Phoenix City Police has a $1 billion budget. Mm. Billion would it be. Mm. Too much. But they don't want to pay their teachers. So, I mean, that tells you how much money that society puts into one thing and not another will dictate the, the outcome of that society, right? Yeah. And so, um, so you know, we planned this march. We did it. It was greatly successful. Um, we got together with people in unity. And then I'm not a person that's about just doing phase one. You want to get your anger out? You want to talk about how, you know, this thing's impacted you? 8.46, you know, 8 minutes and 46 seconds. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I'm here for that. But then when I get involved, my goal was to take it further. What can we do? What can we do as a people together to bring it forward? And so what I decided was, I said, okay, we got, we got to get these folks together. The time is now to strike white irons hot and bring people together who, from all different backgrounds, and that has uh, may have a diversity in thought, but has the same goal in mind. The goal is, how can we get these systems of racism um, dismantled and dismantled in a way, whether it's um, defund or divert, whether it is, um, you know, going through these systems and making per and trying to perfect it, make it a more perfect union. Um, you know, these systems were not built with us in mind. I say us as people of color. I'm, I'm a black man. I don't know if that you can notice that by my voice, but <laughs> I'm African-American. All right. And um, and so we, um, you know, we, we the system was not built with us at the table. You know, when you go to the Constitution, you go to the Bill of Rights, you know, those are written by people that didn't look like us. Even though we helped physically build the country, we did not build the country as far as policy. Right. 
So as we go into trying to build a policy, what does that look like? Well, now we have an opportunity to strike and, and to do things. And when I say strike, it's, it's metaphorically, not physically, but to strike in a way that is um, to engage those systems and to continue to engage those systems to get change because now the energy now is we can get real change. Right. Yeah. So that's that's what I am. That's why I'm here. We did another march, another march, and we, we did some more marches. Um, and in in that time, we've done a lot of things. Right. We've talked to um, the mayor of Phoenix, Arizona. We talked to the mayor of Tempe. We talked to the governor, Governor Doug Ducey, regarding social justice. We have talked to this unity collective came together after that. And we talked to a lot of people about how we can change things and what, what, what can we do to change things. So the unity collective came together different organizations from um, all different backgrounds, social services, different black organizers from the abolitionist movement to the um, protest movement to all different type of movements came together. And we basically said, hey, look, we can end systemic racism together. We can do it together, right? And getting that table built was such a feat because everybody has different diversity in thought and sometimes have diversity in approach. But at the end of the day, we want the same thing. And can you can you ever think of a time where Phoenix, Arizona has ever needed to put together or come together for a situation such as this? Yeah, we did it for King, you know. And what's really interesting is that, um, you know, everybody talks about how, um, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, we're a rebellious state. Um, you know, Martin Luther King, the whole story about King is when I was young and living on 87th Avenue in the white neighborhood. Um, Martin Luther King um, Day was coming around. Coretta Scott King, Stevie Wonder, a lot of people were, were advocating for it to be a federal holiday. And at the time, our two senators, Senator John Kyle and John McCain, um, you know, may he lay in rest, um, d- did not want it. And said, well, you know, I don't think uh, Martin Luther King is as significant to get a whole federal holiday. And we said, uh, no, he is. And we're advocating for this. And this is me as a child hearing my mother, our mother, Mm-hmm. Talk about this and hearing um, our uh, my grandmother and my father and a lot of people talking about why are we, why what's going on? We need to have a Martin Luther King Day. Everybody else has it. Why are we the forty eighth state and we don't have you know we forty eighth state we don't have it? And so we organized. And I say we as in I was a kid, so I was just coming along. Grown folks, black people, we organized and we brought people together and they uh, mobilized. And what they found was that they can affect certain things in regards to the movement and make it a national issue that they can make real change. And that's what they did. They made it a national issue. So folks in Arizona, a lot of people, I don't even know their names. Um, a lot of them are, are uh, still part of the Arizona political landscape to this day, got together and basically managed this Martin Luther King Day. And when they managed uh, Martin Luther King Day and trying to get us a holiday, they also managed to, we did marches for years, marching, 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 we put political pressure. We pulled attendance out of schools. Uh, I didn't go to school for years, even though it wasn't a federal holiday. And um, and they did a lot of things. And basically what ended up happening is we ended up getting King Day. But how we did it was we hit him in the pocket. We got the Super Bowl pulled out because all of the national pressure that they were getting, Super Bowl pulled out, right? That's the way to get it done. And <laughs> that was billions of dollars, right? Yep. And after them billions of dollars went, that was it. They were like, okay, well, now billions of dollars are gone. The NFL's not coming here. Um, you know, the sk- kids are not in school. Uh, we're going to make it a, a, a state holiday and it'll be considered a federal and a federal holiday and that kind of stuff. And everybody talked about us real bad because, you know, it wasn't enough black people here to really organize, but we did it. We did it with black people. We did it with white people too. It was just, people were out there, not just 
uh, King has a message of unity for all people. So it wasn't just uh, black people. Black people organized it, and mm-hmm. they organized it really well, and it was very peaceful, and it was really wonderful. But people came together from all different backgrounds when it was really tough and really not a place that was favorable to people of color out here in Arizona at the time. The 90s was not a good time. 80s and 90s was not a great time for black people or brown people in Arizona. And uh, it made a real difference. So that's the, that's the first I've seen it. And I was a part of that as a child. And then, of course, when we met this moment when it comes to George Floyd, I just felt compelled to, to do something more. So that was a moment I saw. And I'm surprised now that um, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, you know, Megan McCain and the, the View co-host, she's so, you know, she's she's a Republican, but, you know, she never, they, she ain't never been in the hood. John McCain, they may never been in the hood. They ain't never walked over to the south side of Phoenix and stood around and talked to people that are black. So it's real cool to see her on TV. You know, she's from Arizona. She's the Arizona princess. But, you know, she, she went to country day school. You know, she was sheltered, you know, and, and she was, and she... As a, as a person of, um, of, of great privilege and starting to recognize that privilege. It's interesting how her father, who, um, you know, was not really for health care, um, you know, then turned around and voted uh, against it when he had brain cancer. You know, it doesn't, it's interesting how when it only, it be, it's not socialist ideas when it affects you. Right. You know, it's not socialism until it affects you. Now it's all of a sudden, well, we need to start getting this stuff done. Well, yeah, because it affects you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need cancer research because you're dying of brain cancer. We could have been on cancer research, could have probably cured cancer 10 years ago. And saved a lot of people. And saved a whole lot of people, including our mother, had we had some real, you know, folks up here worrying about how we can get appropriate health care and appropriate cancer research. But now it's like, oh, my, di- my, my dad died of brain cancer. I need to get on. I, we need to do some brain cancer. You could have been on cancer a long time ago. Right. You know, and then she goes off on a... Uh, uh, um, her being home and she and, and she wasn't thinking about no family medical leave act and getting paid family leave until she had to be home with her child yeah, for, for 12 weeks or six weeks or six months getting millions of dollars. So, I mean, it's a tangent a little bit, but my point to pointed out is that I have no problem with folks who are, who've been in the mix and who have been about p- people of color for years and who've been about ideas and about how to support uh, the systematic change for years, but don't just jump on a bandwagon now that it affects you. You know, once now it affects you now. It's like, okay, now we really need to get this done. You should have been about people like, and if you were raised in that kind of area, and if you were raised in in an area that I was raised in, you would have known that people have had to quit their job to take care of their child when they're first one or two years old or have been putting them in daycare. I mean, I was in daycare when I was, you know, very little because we didn't have it. So, you know, that's been going on for a long time. So. Yeah, that's that's one of the times where people have mobilized. It's a little bit of a tangent, but that's one of the times people have mobilized in Arizona. And then just to think that you started the march, you you or you guys organized the march in, in June, right. which is the middle of summer, hot, um, especially in Arizona. Yeah. and there was uh, for the turnout was way higher than expected. There yes, were thousands of people. Yes, um, that came out. Um, and it was amazing because we, yeah. we didn't expect that at all. No. People were <laughs> donations. People were supporting. People have uh, will, will show up. I have people come from all over, the, all over the country like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Because I see that, you know, the message of unity rings supreme. It right. rings supreme. People don't understand how, how people really are eager to unify, right? But we keep getting this, this, separate, this separate message from the people. Our, our elected officials, even though we elected them, our elected officials get this, this divisiveness. Right, people yeah. that are elected to represent us, but people really want to unify. 
And I think that's why we were able to be so successful in getting the people together and get the message out of unity. And then, um, you know, talking about our getting together and then work, working together with those groups and peoples to create demands to the governor, which we told the governor about. Um, uh, it's actually a month ago today I right. spoke to the governor. And then how long did it take to get to that point? Six months. Yeah. You know, we, it took us about a month to create, to, we had, we had the, um, demands kind of already laid out. And then once we were able to get in a group of people who were like-minded, the demands didn't really take long to kind of come together because we all on the same thought process, you know, people are thinking the thing, the same, Mm -hmm. the issue was, um, was, okay, how do we get it to the governor? And I have to give it to Janelle Wood because she just bum rushed him. She knocked on the door and walked right up in the governor's office and listen, as she was saying, my black sons and daughters, I need to speak with you. And I know we're in the middle of COVID and I know it's in the middle of summer, but we need to figure something out and we need to talk as soon as possible because you need to know what's going on in these streets. And I think she was able to be super effective as a, as a, as a, a black mother. And that's how she, uh, she's with Black Mothers Forum. That's one of the nonprofits that are part of the Unity Collective. Yeah. And um, she was able to talk from a, a place of being a mother. And then I think he was able to connect with that. And then he scheduled to have us, um, you know, much earlier. And then, you know, COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so December 30th was our, was our first meeting. But it won't be our last, the Unity Collective with the governor on our demands. So after that march, after we marched, the phase one. Now mm-hmm. we got phase two and phase three and phase four, which is really affecting change. And I want to talk to those people out there that say, well, you know, uh, just uh, you're sitting down with them and you know, nothing's going to change and they're just going to do what they want to do. Look, I'm going to work with whoever is about unity until they're not about it. If they don't show that they're, you know, you can't build relationships without results. That's what I told the governor. I said, you want, you want results? Are you want a relationship with us? You want a relationship with black community? We need to see results. Those two are equal. It's a transactional relationship. You're the governor. You can make things happen. And you have to think about what transactional relationship you want to have with a community of people that you currently are not thinking about on a regular basis because there's nobody around you that looks like us or thinks like us because folks can look like you and still not think like you. Or come from our background. Or come from the background. I mean, if you sit up in a million-dollar house on a high heel and you're African-American and you're, you know, 67 years old, you're probably not part of the movement that these young people have been a part of, right? Mm-hmm. You haven't been on them streets. You haven't seen what it looks like. You haven't seen what they're experiencing. You might have seen what you experienced, which, hey, we're on your, we're, we're standing on your shoulders. Don't get us, don't get us wrong. You probably worked really hard to get to that hill. But now the youth is working to, to make some similar changes for their generations. It's our time. So for our time, these are things we need to work on. And I think that, um, you know, it's time for young people to speak up, speak out, and be a part in engaging this change and not engaging in negativity that takes away from how we can, you know, be better people. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and take a little break, and we'll be right back with you. Hey, family, it's your girl, Nia Stars. Now, with the political climate currently shifting, we saw a need to help our community find a way to keep their spaces safe and culturally supportive. My brother, Kenneth Smith, the founder of Unity America Consulting, saw the divide happening in the country and understood the need to help organizations. With that came the goal to provide consulting to businesses that see an opportunity to improve their awareness with today's social issues, such as women's rights, social consciousness, LGBT rights, and diversity and inclusion, and more. 
He provides a custom approach that allows your group to feel safe addressing these issues. He will also engage from an apolitical and supportive standpoint that encourages everyone to reach a unified goal. Now, if you're a business owner, teacher, or work in administration, you can visit his website to get more information. That's unityamerica2020.squarespace.com. Again, that's unityamerica2020.squarespace.com. And now, let's get back to the show. All right, all right. So as we were, were talking about before in regards to, um, you know, the Unity Collective, we were able to collect a great group of people. Um, and we have great leadership in our uni- Unity Collective leadership. Um, I am so happy to be here. We're back on with uh, the the Middle podcast with Kenneth Smith. And this podcast will not work without the production of Miss Nia Stars, uh, Nia Stars Production. So I want to throw it over to Nia Stars. And I want you to introduce yourself, what you do, and what you're doing here, Miss Nia. Yes, uh, my name is Nia Stars. I go by Nia Stars. I am uh, just a contributor. <laughs> I try to help anywhere that I can. Um, I'm also a rapper and also um, a mother and and hopefully just anything that I can possibly do. Um, I try to learn as much as possible and just be the person that, um, that people can call on when they need assistance. And that's why we are doing this today because I wanted to help my brother in uh, projecting his voice and getting out there. The mission is so huge that we need to uh, definitely take advantage of any avenues that we have available. So that's why we're doing this today. And she's selling herself short. That's what I'll be clear. Nia Stars is always doing stuff, but mm-hmm. she's also, um, you know, it's always someone that's there that's all pushing you to be better and do more and have ideas, but also the person that kind of like does stuff. You know what I mean? You know, people that kind of just, do stuff that keep things going, and so you can keep things going. Like, I can say something and have an idea, and they be like, okay, I can get it done. I can do it. No problem. Let's, let's do what I got. Oh, you need me to go pick this up? Okay, I'll take care of that. You need me to go do this? And stuff that you think that you might already have or you might have in your head, but no, no, no. You always have to have somebody there that can be a go-getter. Go get them, you know? And so Nia's just a go-getter, and I'm very lucky and very lucky to have her as, a, as my sister, but also as somebody who has a vision. So give it up, Miss Nia. Well, thank you. He has he has the intelligence. I just you know I just have the brawn. So <laughs> <laughs> you call what you want, but it's a, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So um, you know, w- Nia Nia has has a lot of different iterations of things she does, but she does do uh, the production, the sound, and a lot of the vision for this. And then I also have people who uh, will be involved um, as we go through the uh, the middle podcast. Today is just an introduction, so you know what it is and what it's about. Um, and then, um, as we go, we'll have guest co-hosts, um, as we go through it. And these co-hosts will be people who come, who are expert in their fields, who are experts in, and you know, within Arizona or the world or the country who will be able to come talk to us about their experiences, how we can move things forward in the middle, how we can move the middle forward. Cause there's plenty of talk out there about how we can move the, the far. And I say this in, in, in social justice and political, the far right and the far left and people who are, um, you know, bent on uh, on destruct de- destruction of certain uh, ideals instead of uh, building up. And so what can we do to come together to build up things? And there's going to be people here that are going to give int- information about black-owned businesses, about stock market, about Black Lives Matter, about social services, about all these things that work in concert and how it all basically comes down to how can we end systemic racism, 
How can we come together as a, a people to recognize the social consciousness being raised by all of us? What can we do together? So that's what the middle is going to be about if you haven't gathered. It's not just going to be me here talking. We're going to have special guests. But we're all going to talk about things that affect Arizona and America. So that's what we're here for as far as that. So our next thing, Nia, yes, is we're going to talk about what's going on in Arizona. Because y'all probably think we out here crazy, right? <laughs> Not crazy. as bad as Florida, but, you right, know, we, we, we wilding a little bit. So we're, We are. So what we're doing now as far as, um, you know, I've talked to everyone about, about um, you know, speaking to the governor. So we're, we're, our demand to the governor is we want to, um, one, you know, defund or divert money from the police force into social services. Um, we asked for them to have a rapid response team built in Arizona and divert funds, whether as state and local governments and municipalities to our uh, local governments, not state government to divert funds to creating a rapid response team or the state to cr create a rapid response team. And here's the thing is we're asking to write the policy. We're not asking to write it and we come along and we, we there for the sign it. No, we write it, we push it through and we get it through. Right. Um, and we're asking for that rapid response team because we need help with our unsheltered community and homeless community. Right. We have a huge homeless population out here, don't we? It is the, the shelter I think one of the shelters closed down uh, a few years ago because of lack of funding, um, and now we have so many people. It's I wouldn't be surprised if start turning to, to Skid Row, but if you, you go downtown, you're going to see tents, and um, you're going to see lots full of you know homeless people. It's really sad. It makes no sense how you can have a police station that has a billion dollars in it n and then go three streets over and there's people in tents. Exactly. That's literally how Arizona is. And I could tell you in the state, it's, it's all around the country. Um, homelessness, is, especially in urban communities, are a big deal um, because people come here for that for that urban uh, coverage, right? And uh, to get those, so to get to be, they're not out in the woods, right? They're out here to be, uh, and they, they we attract that kind of the folks. But how do we take care of? What do we do, right? Um, we have uh, domestic violence issues in Arizona too, right? Uh, we have issues with mental health. We have issues with um, drug use. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are urban issues. These are issues that happen in urban communities. But is there any money uh, since spent on prevention, on education, on support, and not supporting them and giving anybody a handout? It's about helping people. Well, how can we help people with the money we have? We have money, but are we using it appropriately? That's something that Laura Bullock from Hope's Crossing told me. People have the money. Yeah. They have the money. We can always find the money somewhere. Mental health, <laughs> mental health hospitals have the money, but what are they spending it on, right? What are they spending the money on? And are they spending it on prevention and support, or are they spending it on treatment? Once somebody already has a mental health crisis, then all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to treat you and take care of you. If we have not figured out in this country that we have to be on the preventative side of, ment of, of any type of medical, then we're, we're, already, we're losing ev that battle every single day. We need to be on the preventative edge. Exactly. Help somebody before they get diabetes. Don't help them once they get diabetes. You know, much once somebody get diabetes, it's a lot of money, right? So I think that's what's happening with um uh with 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 that particular one. The other one was we definitely wanted to establish um uh, more ethnic studies in schools. We have eighth grade civic standard out here where eighth graders are required to learn government. That's that's some states have that. A lot of states have that. And we asked the governor about in two thousand and five. Um, uh, Dolores Huerta came out here and had made a speech 
and talked about how ethnic studies were benefiting Latinos in the state to learn about who they were and that Republicans probably didn't care too much about Latinos and that's why it's good that they had that program. Well, Tom Horn, the superintendent of schools at that time, went, took that, took it to the legislature and banned all ethnic studies in Arizona. Why in the hell would you do that? A lot of people were mad about that. Big time. And this is 2005, right? And so then, um, and Dolores Huerta, whether she was right or wrong, that she was uh, somebody who marched with Cesar Chavez. And so we have Cesar Chavez High School out here. We got Cesar Chavez Boulevard, Cesar Chavez Square, because, you know, he was part of, the, Arizona was part of the UFW movement. But here's the deal. You don't penalize a whole state for that, especially in urban communities where people need to learn who they are. So I asked the governor, as part of our unity collective and unity demands, we're add, ask ethnic studies back in. Women's studies. And when I talk about diversity, we're not talking about just black and brown. We're talking about black, brown, Asian studies, women's studies, LGBT studies. We have a lot of things that uh, people that have contributed to this country that have, n- have been ignored. And our native and indigenous people have been ignored to the extreme. Oh, yes. Sadly. And we have a huge native population in northern Arizona. Very. And you would, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, come on. So uh, we asked the governor about that. Uh, we asked the governor, in, in addition to that, uh, we, we asked for him to just basically move money. How can we move money? How can we write policy for that? And what is? And every time I've talked to a mayor or, or mayor of a city and asked about their police force, I asked or I always asked them, "What is the threat assessment when it comes to um, uh, groups, protests? What's your threat assessment of these groups? What's your rules of engagement? How do you engage? What does that look like?" And more often than not, they have no freaking clue what I'm talking about. Even though rules of engagement is a common term used in the military. <laughs> they, they set up rules of engagement because they have to go in other countries and engage people that are not Americans. Right, you can't just be going everywhere and just wilding out. Right, but you don't have rules of engagement for your own people. Right? You got yeah. rules of engagement for when you go to Iraq and all of those people. How are you going to engage uh, people that are not part of this country? But you don't have rules of engagement for your own folks on so make sure you don't kill them. Right. Especially people that are of color. So what does that look like? So um, it's, been a, it's been a great, great, great um, journey. But as we move forward and as we look into the future, the, the wings working on our future are um, legislative watch. There's a lot of bills. I'm telling y'all, <laughs> BLM, Black Lives Matter movement. I ain't talking about Black Lives Matter a group. I'm talking about Black Lives Matter movement. movement. Y'all did it. Y'all did a lot of great work. Great, great, great work. And now they're scared. And now they are in uh, these legislative sessions, wilding out, mm-hmm. losing their ever-loving mind and doing whatever they can to prevent the things that the organization that we did from happening again. They are scared to death of black and brown people and definitely black and brown unity. They are. And I say they as in people who are, who are bent on the destruction of people that are of, are, are of color. And I say destruction in, in, in such a... And not a, and not a uh, uh, hyperbole. There are folks that believe that equality equals their destruction, of, uh, like it's a zero-sum game, that because there's more equality happening, that therefore their power is being lost and that there, there has to be a hierarchy in this country and the hierarchy must stay with people that are, are white. And there's a whole group of people, the minority majority in this country, of black and brown and Asian and Native American are like, well... It's a lot of us, and we about to be majority pretty soon, too, and we just want equality. Yeah. Because if we wanted supremacy, we would have already burnt this place down. Exactly. 
Exactly. I want to let, let you hear one more time. If we wanted supremacy, people of color would already got together, no matter what psychological trauma you've given to us, we would already got together, and we would have said, okay, just burn the place down. There's more of people of color in this country than there are not. So the idea that, that, that you are so afraid, so afraid of somebody of color, just tells me that you don't understand because all we're looking for is equality. Because if we want a supremacy, on January 6th, when they walk into the White House, U.S. Capitol, that's supremacy. Yeah. That's supremacy when you walk up into the U.S. Capitol and do inst- have an insurrection. And if you've never witnessed it before, that was the day to witness it. That was the day. There's a stark contrast between the, the work that people have done with parts of the Black Lives Matter movement and that white supremacist movement. And people need to, and if you don't recognize that contrast now, if you don't recognize that there are people who are bent on the destruction of people of color that are, that are, that are twisted in their thinking of what America is supposed to serve, then you are purposely not paying attention. You are purposely not paying attention. And it's most likely because you benefit. Because you benefit from yeah, it. Yeah, you benefit from it. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you right now, ask, ask anybody, I can go walk right now, walk out of this place, go walk down the street and say, okay. Talk to uh, somebody white and say, hey, okay, let's talk. And they will tell me all the things that don't happen. Oh, that doesn't go down. No, that doesn't happen. I, I'm, I'll talk to anybody, Republican, Democrat, Independent. I get along. I try to get along with everybody. It don't matter what your party is, what your ideology is, as long as you're not trying to hurt me or or believe I don't exist as a person, a full person. And that, that's different, right? Mm-hmm. And they would never. They want everything. They love full lips and full hips. They love a taco truck. Mm-hmm. They love a soul food restaurant. Mm-hmm. They love to uh, to go over and get that Asian food or that foe, right? Mm-hmm. But ask them to trade places with a person of color. And the answer would typically be no. Yeah. I will benefit from your culture, but I definitely don't want to be you because I know. So that tells me that you do know that these things are going on. You're just choosing not to see it because like you said it benefits you it benefits you so one of the bills we're looking at is uh a, we have a, a gop bill in arizona that has legislation that revokes president election results That's how scary. in the world can you as a state and that's legally you can't do because electoral college the electors are are certified and they have to bring the information to the um to the federal government which is written in the constitution but they have, they have put a bill into the Arizona um, legislative session um, that goes to revoke, revoke presidential election results um, that anybody can do that because Joe Biden won the state. Again, undoing the majority of what other folks have worked, people have worked to do. Undoing it completely and totally. And folks get on here and they talk about, oh, you know, the uh, Democrats and they – I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, no matter where you're from, you don't, if you go against the Constitution, you don't need to be up in here. Right. How can you support a country and you, you, you're you supporting something like this? Yeah, what you're essentially <laughs> supporting, what you're essentially supporting is is uh, anarchy. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm done with it. You know, like, I'm, I don't have time for it. Saying the rules don't apply. Mm-hmm. So here's a couple of them. I have House Bill 2309. Creates new felonies for individuals who participate in protests. Prevents people charged with new crimes disorderly assembly from being arrested from custody for at least 12 hours. 
First commits assault on an officer while participating in disorderly assembly. Then the bill mandates six months incarceration. Well, if you assault an officer, that, hey, look, don't, don't if you're dumb enough to hit an officer, go to jail. Yeah, we shouldn't have to go there. <laughs> you know, you, I don't know why they really even got that in there. You should just go to jail. You, you dumb enough to put more than likely, I, the officer's gonna hurt me before I hurt the officer. It's right. not gonna happen. Exactly. But the issue is creating new felonies for individuals who participate in protests. Felonies. We could talk about the criminal justice system and why how felonies affect black and brown. Everybody knows that. You know, mm-hmm. look at the data. Look at the FBI statistics. But what does a felony cause? This goes back to kind of what uh, King was talking about when he talked when he did organization and strategic think strategic planning. If you get the felony, this is what see he was talking about the vote back then. They wanted the vote because they can get all the rights, right? They talked about it. And if you look at the movie Selma. It's a moment in the movie Summer where they're all strategizing, and he talks about what is the main thing we, we need to get in this country. And they go through all the different things, and they finally just rest on, we need to get the vote. That's why the Voting Rights Act is so important right. um, in this country. So uh, this is the new way of it, age of thinking is the felony. How not to get the felony, right? Because mm-hmm. you get the felony, you go to jail, you come out, you have... Uh, if it's a drug offense, you can't be anywhere near uh, an area. You can't move into uh, apartment complexes that have a drug-free zone. If it is a violent offense, um, they have parameters where you can't you have, you can't live in a crime-free zone. So you're pushing only in certain areas. Mm. You're not going to get hired. You can't vote. Okay, so and you can't get any services because you have a felony, and a lot of people want to hire felons. So if you get a felony for marijuana, you're f- you're you're fucked, basically. Hey, family, it's your girl Nia Stars. Now, with the political climate currently shifting, we saw a need to help our community find a way to keep their spaces safe and culturally supportive. My brother Kenneth Smith, the founder of Unity America Consulting, saw the divide happening in the country and understood the need to help organizations. With that came the goal to provide consulting to businesses that see an opportunity to improve their awareness with today's social issues, such as women's rights, social consciousness, LGBT rights, and diversity and inclusion, and more. He provides a custom approach that allows your group to feel safe addressing these issues. He will also engage from an apolitical and supportive standpoint that encourages everyone to reach a unified goal. Now, if you're a business owner, teacher, or work in administration, you can visit his website to get more information. That's unityamerica2020.squarespace.com. Again, that's unityamerica2020.squarespace.com. And now, let's get back to the show. HB 2552 makes a felony to damage, tamper, or to face a public monument. You know why they said that? Because they're worried about that uh, that uh, Confederate monument being torn down. Yeah. Even though they took it off. <laughs> SB 1125 Senate bill creates a new crime uh, of bias, motivated intimidation of cops. What does that mean? Bias, motivation, uh, intimidation of cops. Cops. How are we intimidating police? Right. We don't have guns. Yeah. <laughs> We don't have a badge and a gun and bulletproof vest and the shield and the, we don't have any of that. But now this is something they can use against you. We don't, Black Lives Matter people don't walk around with guns. No, they don't. That's the white supremacists walk around with guns and AK-47s at the Capitol while they're trying to count the votes. That ain't us. Yeah. Right? Uh, House Bill 220, 
310 and Senate Bill 1333 prevent municipalities from defunding the police departments. Prevents. See, I asked the governor, can we, we need to get money moved from here to there. This bill, if it goes through, prevents municipalities from defunding the police departments. So the money they get from the federal government or money they get from the states will stay in the police departments. Now, look, my issue is not with 100% with the police. It is what it is. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's a place... Even though um, policing is supposed to be a peace officer, right? Supposed to be peace. That's what that's how it's written. Peace, peace officer. Oh, but it was it was um, derived out of out of out of slavery, out of uh, fugitive slave hunting. That's how the police were derived out of. It's it's derived. That's why people call it an evil institution because of because it was derived out of. So I look, it's been modernized, obviously, mm-hmm. but some of those systems are still there. So how do we? Issue is not with the police department. Issue is with what do we do? Right? How do we better our systems and how do we take things away from them that they don't need to be worried about? They don't need to be dealing with domestic violence and, and dealing with homelessness. Because we've seen how that can go bad. Yeah. Somebody having a mental health crisis and waving a knife. Unfortunately, the last person they need to see is a police officer. Right. Not providing a solution. A lot no. Of times they're just providing agitation. To gun, 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 cap, 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 done. Right? And then versus, hey, let me. Uh, Let's get some support here. Let's get some people there. I can tell you right now, if you go into, if you have a, a, a disorder, uh, an orderly, not disorderly, but an orderly, a big guy that's about six, seven, and two fifty, and a person that's going crazy, mental health crisis, get one of them people from the mental hospital. They'll take them down, no problem. Yeah, they're trained for that. No gun, <laughs> no gun, no nothing. They'll take them down and put them right up in the car and call it a day. Versus somebody with a gun. That's just my opinion. House Bill 2567 requires any government entity that reviews police misconduct to be two-thirds police officers. So effectively, it eliminates civil review and civil oversight. If you have a civil review board or a critical incident board or anything like that, that's um, in any of these uh, different uh, municipalities or police police forces, what they're essentially saying is we need to be two-thirds police. Well, how can you have a civil review board that's civilian-driven, has oversight and subpoena power, if two-thirds of it is, is the police. Right. That don't make any sense. Because they'll always support their, their, their people. Their people, their peers. Yeah, their peers. But not only that, let's, let's use another analogy. I'm in education. If I'm getting an evaluation for my job and my principal is not allowed to evaluate me, an evaluation of my peers evaluates me, I'm probably going to get a good evaluation. Yeah. Because they all work with me. All I got to do is be cool with them, and I'm cool. Exactly. Right? Um, HB2, I'm out, I got two more, and this is it. Um, HB2, two, two five, House Bill 2553 prevents municipalities from crafting policies that will limit a police officer's ability to use de- deadly force. I'll say it again. HB2553 prevents municipalities from crafting policies that will limit a police officer's ability to use deadly force. So wait. You have use of force policies in your, you're supposed to, in your police forces. And this says you cannot write a use of, fo- use of policy, a use of force policy that's going to limit deadly force. So they're basically saying, shoot them up. Right. There's not going to be any consequences. Shoot them up. There's no rule. There's no this is all out of the movement that, we, that black people did. This is what happens. If we're not watching this. If we're not on this phase. All that working and marching and all that stuff and President Biden, that don't mean nothing if you're not watching this. Right. 
House Bill 2550, same one, requires the warning be sent to everyone filing a complaint against a police office, a police department, that filing an unfounded report or statement is a crime, which will intimidate and deter civilian complaints against a police officer. What? Yeah. That's crazy. So you're going to be warned, basically. That's like you going in, you're on the, uh, the stand and you're you're giving your witness testimony and they go, well, you know, uh, you know the crime for perjury? Well, yeah, I know the crime for perjury. I just put my hand on the Bible and said, I'm going to tell the truth, the whole truth, but nothing but the truth. Well, do you know the crime for perjury? Are you sure you don't know? But you know, we can send you to jail. I'm probably not going to give. <laughs> The best witness statement. Now I'll be like, well, what do you want me to say? Because I am. You know, it's do intimidation. You, do you think it's perjury? I don't. I'm gonna tell the truth. But if you don't think it's the truth, I can go to jail, right? Right. Exactly. So this is what we're doing. I know that's that's a lot. Um, and I, but I do want people to understand that. Um, we'll we'll. This is to the introduction. This is today, right? But as we go as we move forward, we're gonna have more conversations about these bills. More conversations. We're on legislative watch. We need to watch people. We need to see what they're doing because the devil's in the details. And it's all, and all politics is local. You can be all excited about Biden and Harris, and I'm very excited about Vice President Harris. I have to tell the truth. And Biden. Biden is going to be the most progressive president since LBJ. Uh, that's what he's, he's not playing. He's like, I'm 80 and I'm going to die, but I'm going to die uh, writing executive order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die signing his legislation and making it a law. Um, you know, he don't care. He ain't got nothing to lose. Um, and I think uh, Vice President Harris has a lot to, uh, you know, um, atone for when it comes to the black community. So she has a lot of work to do, and I think she's willing to do it. In my opinion, I'm giving her a chance because we give everybody else a chance. Why am I not, get, not giving my black sister a chance? Right. You know? Um, but moving on from that, when we talk about stuff that happens in Arizona, it's happening all over the country, y'all. You need to get into your legislative districts. You need to call your representative. You need to uh, figure out when the legislative session is and start watching these bills because things are going to start happening in places that are Republican-driven, that are a direct reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement or any people of color movement because they want to limit black and brown bodies in black movement. Black upward movement, whether it's financial, whether it is wh whether it is physical, they, they want to limit our movement. So the thing about it is, how do we prevent that? We prevent that by being in their face, being present, being there when they're doing these quiet sessions where these committee hearings, we need to be there. Yes. Because if, if you got time to go out in March and you have time to register to vote, you have to find time by the hour uh, every, every couple of months or every couple of weeks to go sit in a committee meeting. The work is not done. It's our time. The work is not done. So what do you do with it? You sit there. You say, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. You say, no, 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 no. Who I got to talk to to make sure it doesn't happen? And you stop it. You make sure the bill gets killed. You do a phone campaign. You do an email campaign. You do a, uh, a, a sit-in. You do Look, the, it's t the time is still now. COVID's going to be gone soon. At least it's going to be deterred soon. I ain't going to say gone, but deterred soon, right? So what do we do when we get back up? The only thing that we've been dealing with right now is two pandemics, racist, systematic racism, and COVID. One's about to get put down a little bit, but the other one's going to be raging on. Yeah. Raging on. Because now we have real results. So now you have real results. What are people going to do with those results? Just like the, the black codes of the old, right? 
So when you start having results, they put slap some more codes on. Let's slap another something so to limit your movement, to limit your body's movement, to limit what you do, limit your, um, your buying a house, to limit your getting land, to limit your by opening a business. It's all about limiting your upward mobility. Let's find some laws to get in to, to, to limit that ability. Okay, what are you? Why are you doing that? But if we're not present, we're our own worst enemy. Right, we're not representing ourselves. We're our own worst enemy if we're not present. So we have to be present. Right? And it may be you send an email. It may be you do a phone call. It may be that's all you can do. But you have to do something. Because if it's not, if it's not, it can't be about black lives in June of 2020. And that's why time it was about Black Lives Matter. And I will say this. When I talk about unity, I ain't talking about just black and brown people. Native. I'm talking about our white allies and our white co-conspirators, people that are with us, who have been with us since the beginning, who despise hatred and despise the institution that this, this place has been built on and despise the fact that they still are living in a country where white people have a, uh, a sense of, of, of privilege. Okay? And have, are working to dismantle that with people of color and letting people of color lead it. So it's not just about black and brown. It's about unity with everybody. That is about real ending of systemic racism. So that's our show for today. Nia, you want to add anything on to it? Um, I just want to say that um, nobody can represent you better than yourself. Um, if you're not present, if you're not out here, you know, speaking your story, using your, your word, your voice, your power, um, you know, there's, there's power in numbers. We have to stand together. That's what unity is all about is we have to know what that looks like. And if you cannot jump on board or, or be present in the, in the fight, how can we get anywhere? How are you going to get results? So yeah. nobody can represent you better than you can. Two steps forward, one step back. Then what? Right? No one can represent you better than you can. But when you come to the podcast, The Middle with Kenneth Smith, you will always get the real. You'll get it from the middle. You know, um, you know, as P.D. Greed would say, <laughs> um, I won't say what he says because it's trademarked. But, <laughs> uh, but, but the point is, you'll get it. You'll get it from the middle. You'll get it from me, Kenneth Smith from Phoenix, Arizona. You will get what we're doing out here to make things really happen. You always get the real. It'll always come from the middle, and it'll always come with a place of unity. And that's how I operate: is bringing people together, whether it's businesses, whether it's uh, communities, whether it's communities that are white, brown, black, doesn't matter. It's about bringing people together for the right cause. And the right cause is always about helping people and doing the right thing that people to get elevated into a, a place and space that they deserve, which goes back to our constitution, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And all three of those are hard to come by in certain communities. Life, George Floyd, liberty, criminal justice system and a pursuit of happiness being able to take a vacation with your family because you have extra money in your pocket and you're not paying bills oh yeah and if you can't recognize that that's a part of just being a regular old american then you're gonna have to reevaluate yourself this is the middle with Kenneth smith just wanted to say thank you for listening to our first podcast and we'll be back with more we'll be back we'll be back with more so i want to say thank you to nia stars productions and our sponsors, we don't have any. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. This is Kenneth Smith signing off from uh, the signing off from.
the middle.